Revelations.com podcast. Hello and welcome to Represent the QueerMusicals.com podcast. My name's James Lovelock and I'm here with two guests today and I'm going to get them to introduce themselves. Uh, so Roshani, do you want to go first? Yes. Um, hi everyone. I'm Roshani Abbey. I'm an actor, singer, teacher, uh, data scientist as Hooray. well. <laughs> I'm Flora Leo. I'm a writer, composer. Um, I do book music and lyrics. I'm currently writing a show called Triangularity. And I love uh, all forms of queer representation, um, particularly queer TV shows. Brilliant. So we're going to talk a little bit about queer representation today um, and thinking a little bit about how uh, we're represented on screen or on stage or whatever we want to talk about, really. So I thought to start off with maybe asking a question about when you've seen yourself represented, whether that's on stage or on television or whether that's something that you're still waiting for. Um, so, yeah, so when was the first time you saw yourself in media, I suppose? I don't, I don't know about the first time, but I, I do know that it feels it feels rare to see myself represented, I think, even in the sense of my queer identity. Mm. But I watched a, I watched a musical um, at the King's Head Theatre last year sunday actually okay called Ga- diary of a gay disaster oh and i've 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 <laughs> you could tell the queer people in the audience from the mm. people who are in just in there to enjoy the show because they felt very called out by many moments in the <laughs> show which was good and i i rarely feel that i, I think mm. i just noticed that um you you don't see I, I i don't feel like i see specific moments like that from my life mm. um as a queer person um i think you see a few types of narratives um yeah no i think that's i think that's really fair and i think actually that's particularly true of queer female characters as Mm. well um yeah that's interesting what was it about the gay disaster that really (laughs) stood out well what it was was um this (laughs) (laughs) The the show was um, written by Rachel Mailer, and what it was was um, each song represented a type of a certain situation that queer women go through, mm. um, and and they were all like all the queer women in the audience knew what these situations were. They were very familiar with it. Like one was is she gay or just hipster or like <laughs> things like that. The things that you try and you're, you're thinking about all the time as, as a queer woman. Um, and I think it was just that they were very specific moments that I just hadn't necessarily seen before. Um, what was another one? Um, a song called reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, <laughs> About I'm how small the community is. Yes, I thought that might be where we were going with that. <laughs> um, but also, actually, Flora, one of the first times that I heard your music was I felt really represented as well in a way that I hadn't before. I mean, even I still get emotional hearing a queer female character use she, her pronouns when referring to the person that they are um, mm. romantically involved with in a song. Yes. I still go, oh... Oh. oh, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, and it's still it, that's still surprising to me. Whenever I hear mm. that, yes, and, yeah, absolutely. and it means a lot that you feel that way just from a writer like myself, including those pronouns in a song, which is obviously incredibly important to me as a writer. But the fact that it's has that effect on 
on on the actor or on potentially hopefully the audience as well you know we still need to remember that these simple things can make a huge difference as well as the more nuanced things and complexities that we can add as we progress with our our material that includes queer representation um I'm still discover from, from from my perspective. Mm. I'm still discovering um, moments where I mm. feel represented. Even now, I'm still discovering for the first time this kind of transcendent feeling yeah. of of being in uh, a, 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 in a, in an audience of a musical or like fun home where you've got for me, for example, particularly when I think the actor's name is Harriet was playing young Allison mm. at the Young Vic. Um, and when she was doing Ring of Keys mm. and the her sort of her stature and her sort of the way she was dressed was exactly me at mm. that age. And I think that was a real uh, moment where I was uncharacteristically in floods of tears. <laughs> um, mm. And it, it, yeah, it was the performance, the music and but also the particular um, sort of profile of that character that resonated with me. Um, and in media as well, in in TV shows, mm. like for example, watching The Last of Us recently, you know, yeah. the character of Ellie yeah, really re- uh, resonates with me personally. Um, and it, it really is uh, great that I now don't need to rely on all the things that when I was fourteen I was seeing on TV, which were incredibly, uh, <laughs> let's say, mm. uh, dubious representations. Yes. <laughs> uh, Some were amazing and wholesome of just queer women uh, mm. like Tara and Buffy uh, Tara and Willow and Buffy uh, I was a huge Buffy fan growing up yeah. but some were some of my first experiences of sort of like seeing just general sort of female or, 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 or queerness represented in things like Heavenly Creatures the Peter Jackson film which mm. is about two murderesses <laughs> and uh, incredibly mm. toxic in yeah. every single way but actually that was one of the first things I remember actually going downstairs to watch on in my f- family home on the mm. TV in the middle of the night. Yes, oh <laughs> on gosh, my own. Had <laughs> <laughs> that resonates with me so much, you know, the sneaking downstairs. I mean, for me, it would have been sort of early 90s that I was growing up. So it would be things like Beautiful Thing. There's good representation of gay men, but that's, I can remember when there wasn't. And it's, it's really it's uh, to me it's really sad that it's taking so long for there to be representation of the rest of the community um uh in ways where people can connect to it uh, i did think actually when you were talking there's another musical and i don't think it's very well known but beth malone who was originally in fun home was in it and it's called the breakup notebook um and it, uh, the breakup notebook a lesbian musical it's by patricia cotter and i think it was i think it was first performed sort of 2011 2012 and there's some I mean, it's not very much of it online but there's some great songs in it and oh. just because you were talking about moments it sounds quite similar structurally to the piece that you were talking about um the the diary of a gay disaster yes. um and that's one of the things i'm really interested in is what are these sorts of moments that we're looking for what do we want to see on stage and i think that happens a lot more when we've got these sorts of discussions happening and people like yourselves really heavily involved in the creation of musical theater i have a tiny thought on that actually mm. just before we move on yes um the creation of it is all well and good but mm. it's when or whether they get picked up yes to be produced on a larger scale yes because i'm hearing about these musicals and i'm mm. thinking these are incredible why don't I know that these mm. exist? Um, 
and even moving on to triangularity, no, nobody, like, I mean, not nobody, but very few people in the grand scheme of the, the musical theatre world in London know that it exists, and yeah. I think more people should. Absolutely. And when I talk about it, people go, oh, this is really interesting. Mm. What, wh- why haven't I, why don't I know what this is? And But it's about who picks it up? Yes. Is it risky? Is it, you know, all the things that mm. go through minds of producers that mean they go, mm, this is probably, this is not what we're going to choose this time. And mm. I just think it's important for us to, as a community, as, as a whole, think about what stories we're telling and why. Yes. And, and what stories need to be told because I just think we're leaving loads of people out for in favour of what is going to be a guaranteed hit. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I think actually at the moment, I struggle to think of any musicals that are in town at the moment in the West End that have a queer, certainly not a queer protagonist or even queer characters, you know, Cabaret maybe, Moulin Rouge, but it's very, very in the background. I think since Anne Juliet closed, I think there's very very few things i wonder whether it's post-pandemic people are less willing to take risks but absolutely we should talk about triangularity because at least then the audience that are listening to this will know about triangularity know what we're talking about yeah i'm going to put loads of links in the description of this episode so that people can see some of the stuff that you've put online flora which is just wonderful i think it's really i think when we're talking about how we get material out there i think some of the stuff that you've done i mean that's how i know about triangularity is because there's so many really good videos Mm. on youtube with queer women looking happy (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> oh, I'm, I mean, uh, that hits. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I think queer joy is at the centre of it. Um, mm. In the sense that, so so firstly, it's unfinished. Yeah. So I hope that when it is finished, I hope that you know, um, the team is able to make an impact with it obviously that's my wish for it um so but it is unsurprising that people haven't heard of it at this stage Mm. um completely um so queer joy but it's the euphoria of those moments in representation it's meta so it's within the show that we get to experience that specific uh sort of revelation revelatory um experience that the protagonist has with representation because mm. actually the show is about queer representation itself yeah particularly well specifically on tv yeah um and at the core the, at the heart of the show at the core of the show is is that idea that positive um representation and visibility uh, in media and mm. in this case in TV shows can not only inspire but also um, change and even save lives. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's not the the be all and end all of the mm. of, of, of the of the show. That's not the synopsis. But actually, to me, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's how it came about. It came about from a revelation that I had about how you can come out as a, a fangirl or whatever it mm. is that you need to be. And in, in this case, Leonard is discovering that it's about um, dis- the discovery of one web series that has incredible representation, yeah. um, which is a Canadian web series called Carmilla, mm. um, based on the <laughs> very 
toxic maybe maybe circle back round to it uh mm. novel uh novella gothic novella uh but yeah, we yeah. Will, we'll come back to okay. that one. But uh, <laughs> so basically, and discovering this show, um, she realizes that she can give herself permission to put herself at the center of the narrative mm. and to write her own story and to really be um, unashamedly, uh, you know, kind of open about who she is. And in this instance, that's not about her struggling with her sexuality. Mm. That's about her interests and her passions yes. and, and what inspires her. Um, and she's a TV recapper. So she writes recaps of queer TV series. So she's a an a l- early millennial, mm. so a geriatric millennial. But she's very much uh, interested in how the internet has, you know, kind of more latterly provided her with that community, mm. which is part of the revelation because, you know, and growing up without the internet, it makes it even more um, of a wonderful thing when you realise that uh, you can be part of that queer community yeah. from the inside. Mm. And some people who grew up in the in 80s and 90s, like myself, came to that realisation a little bit later, perhaps, mm. than uh, people who grow up now. So uh, I think it hopefully appeals to people in their 30s, and uh, <clears throat> I'm now 40, but... Um, but yeah, it's also about mm. connection. It's about love triangles. It's mm. about uh, formative moments uh, in her life that she touches upon mm. using kind of all sorts of s- strange, you know, time manipulation, flashbacks, vignettes. She has mm. a magical remote control, oh, wow. which she can manipulate time and mm. chronology. Um, and yeah, and it's it's, th- it's those two things. It's about connection, people, uh, um, and uh, being being queer. But it's also about just representation in in tv shows yeah it's 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 such a i I love it i mean when i the bits i've seen of it i i I don't know loads about the the fandom that you're talking about i guess uh it's kind of inspired me a little bit to start looking into that you know looking particularly at queer women on television but i'm really inspired by the idea of finding your community uh, which i think is something that every queer person has to go through um, I don't know, Rishani, because you've you've performed some of the songs uh, from yes. the musical. So, uh, and you said it's, it's something that really you kind of really connected with when you when you first heard the music. So, can you tell us a little bit more about what it means to sing um, or to perform stuff which is queer? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think the m- the music in Triangularity is expertly crafted. I, I, I think it. I <laughs> I I have the best time singing it. I, I mean, I first. Um, I I'm not so much into the the TV fandom world, but I watched um, this one TV series called The Hundred, and there is a song written about um, two of the characters in The Hundred, mm. and that's the first song that I heard um, that you'd written. It w- I I think you sent me the link to it when we were talking about working together, um, and I suddenly went, oh my gosh, this is this is The Hundred. This is this is the this is the queer relationship mm. that I loved and that was taken away from us. <laughs> and I hated that yeah. it was taken away from us for really no no reason. No. Um, and there was a song about that. And it blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> in a way that it shouldn't have blown mm. my mind. But it, I just saw that sentiment echoed right back at me. And I thought, uh, in, in a beautiful song... And I thought, I really have to sing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, as someone, I, I grew up, I only, I only realised 
I was queer when I was nineteen, mm. twenty. Um, yeah, <laughs> Flora just raised her hand. Um, <laughs> I I grew up in I grew up in Colombo in Sri Lanka. Okay, and so not you know I obviously knew that people could be gay people mm. could be queer that was fine i knew of people who were like a few a handful of people who were you watch tv shows i'd watched rent you know mm. but i think just the the actual realization that it was a possibility for me was something that just didn't occur to me it mm. just didn't that didn't happen and i'm i'm i also can be attracted to men so i'm bisexual so i i guess i didn't realize that the way I felt about women is not the way that everyone felt about women. I still have this every day. I'm like, wait, 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 you, you don't feel this way about <laughs> these women. Let's define girl crush. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just think singing these songs about or telling stories about queer people finding that, um, means a lot to me and and i i but also i think the visibility means a lot to me yeah. because the lack of visibility is what meant that i just didn't realize this for so long in my life um i started realizing it when i had queer friends in uni mm. and i went oh <laughs> if you about, think about it it's almost like you didn't know you existed yeah me me in in that big part of who i am had no idea but i look back on my childhood i go oh this makes so much sense <laughs> about certain things of how mm. how you behave or the things that you liked or or all the girl crushes that you mm. didn't realize were crushes and you just thought you wanted to be them <laughs> <laughs> yes yes uh, not I be with that. them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a i think stories about queer people realizing and coming and coming to terms with who they are and 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 exploring that entire side of themselves mean a lot to me but also um stories that include things that are not just that mm. <laughs> because we have st and stories about these people coming to terms with who they are also outside their queerness because i think we need we need both we don't just need a whole lot of coming out stories mm. but we need stories about these people figuring out who they are in their queerness and also outside their queerness yes um and how they both interact with each other and i think triangularity does that amazingly if you're interested in lgbtq plus representation in musical theater check out our website www.queermusicals.com for lots more information about musicals with lgbtq plus characters That's really important, the thing about visibility and, and you can't really make sense of who you are until you see it somewhere else, maybe. I think, I mean, as I've said, as a gay man, I'm in a much more privileged position, but actually when I was, I didn't realise I was gay. I knew I knew I liked boys, but I didn't realise what that was until I was about 12 or 13. And that was only because other people at school told me that's what I was. And then I saw, you know, like I've mentioned, some of the, the films or the television programmes started to kind of cover that in a way where it wasn't just, there's a gay person, kill them immediately, which was, you know, a very... I, 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 is a very common trope for all queer people, isn't it? You know, there's a queer person, let's make them miserable. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, I, I think there's a, a really important thing there about that and also a really important thing about how we 
tell our stories and and the specificities. Oh dear, that's not the word. Specificities. <laughs> that was well timed. That was excellent. Yes, the specificities <laughs> of of what it means to be queer. Not that we're all the same, but there are certain things that we all kind of experiences that we all go through and i think coming out is the obvious one and there's now quite a lot of material about that although i think again more so for queer men than for queer women uh, or for non-binary people or trans people but then there's also all these other moments that that people maybe don't pick up on if they're they're not queer so things like you know that I mean, the, the fact that coming out is not just a one-off experience. It's something that you do every time you I go into a I was just about to bring yeah. this up. Yeah. <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> I did. Um, coming out is just discovery. And we have mm. so many levels of discovery yeah. every day. Yes. Um, but, but, this, but, you know, you were talking about your um, experiences of seeing really toxic mm. gay tropes very early. Yeah. Um, it, it's still happening. Mm. And it's not okay to still, ha- even though potentially the way we've uh, progressed is that we are seeing way, way more nuanced and, and mm. more meaningful and significant um, queer stories um, in media as a whole. Mm. Um, we're also then going backwards every now and then, uh, where we back where we came from in yeah. r- ridiculous uh, moments like the ending of you know Killing Eve, um, yes. which completely resonates with both the death of Lexa and in a lot of ways you know the death of many other queer characters Mm. on TV like uh, like Tara you know it's like let's make them happy and then five minutes later we'll kill them Mm. um so (laughs) that is particularly damaging why why is it necessary it it used to be that queer characters couldn't be happy at all yes their their lives had to always be tragic Mm and miserable and hopeless and always the struggle angst everything you know like that but um now it's like oh we'll give them a relationship and they will uh have a happy moment and then literally they'll get hit by a stray bullet five minutes later and like in what world is that okay Mm. and but you know lexa was 2016 tara and buffy was you know the noughties um but killing eve was 2022 yes and we haven't learned and, yeah. and showrunners haven't learned and I, I mean mm. i know i'm talking about tv but i do mean this in a wider context mm. because it's happening all over the shop um it's damaging and it's damaging in a subtle way mm. to, to to sort of uh it's, it's so pervasive and it, it makes you think that you see these uh, people who look like you they think like you mm. and they are very much like you on screen or on stage or wherever it is. Um, perhaps not on stage because actually I'm, I'm being specific about screen. But um, and then you see their hopeless lives and you think you just think you immediately associate mm. with that. And you think, well, that's that's how my life might be or, yeah. or will be um, even more so if you're potentially younger and mm. um, I don't know, more impressionable. And it's got to stop. Yeah. And they've got to stop cancelling shows too because the bury your gays trope has turned into the cancel your yeah. gays trope. They don't even Absolutely. bother because they just cancel the show yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it's, and it's all down to this thing about, I mean, I think this is a big thing, particularly for our allies, but also for those queer people who are in power as well, is that sometimes you have to take a hit for to allow the community to be represented. Sometimes you have to run a show that's going to run at a loss sometimes you have to put a show on television that might not get as many viewers as you expect to progress 
representation of our community because if you don't we're just stuck with the same stories again and again all the time and I think that's something that's really what we were talking earlier about how do we get these musicals into spaces where people can see them and at the moment it feels like it's all down to the queer people that are creating the work to do that to do that job Mm. and actually we're not in the generally we're not in the positions where we've got the power to be able to do that most effectively and yeah I, I what you were saying there I totally agree with that you know the way that it makes you feel when you just keep seeing characters like yourself people don't know how to write a queer relationship or a long-lasting queer relationship and it's I you know I don't think it's really that much to ask is it really it doesn't have to have a happy ending no but it has to matter and have Mm. has to be meaningful and significant as I said yeah um I think also I I would just love to see queer people exist without their queerness being central to the story. Mm. Um, because that's when... that That's the real progression in the representation, isn't it? You start to go, look, these are these queer people and these are our experiences yes. and these are things that queer people go through. And then you go, actually, we also just exist outside yes. of those relationships, outside of coming mm. out, outside of everything to do with being queer. We are entire people yes. <laughs> that do everything else in life mm. as well like everybody else yes and and i think those things are the things that i'm i feel i'm lacking we don't have those Mm. people don't say oh okay well you know we we have these characters um maybe maybe some of them are queer like why oh just because because Mm. some people are just queer even though it has no relevance to the story Mm. it and rather than the default people always going to the default yes I think the idea of actually saying this character is has an identity and, and naming it on on screen, luckily we're kind of moving past that and a lot of the shows that I support never even mention the character's sexuality. Mm. But but I think we are going to, you know, sort of still have... Um, obviously, as we progress, I would love to see more of what you're saying. Absolutely, more and more and more. Mm. Um, but I think one of the reasons that we do focus on relationships and the queer relationships on screen because that's what people want to invest in and mm. that's what people that gives them hope um and they want to be able to root for these characters not just uh, um, individually but together yes as a, a ship or as a couple um because that's aspirational i mm. think um and i think that should be treated with care yeah it, it shouldn't be so we, it shouldn't be pandered to and sort of uh, written like oh they all live happy ever after mm. no of course not it's they're human yeah but um i think it should be understood that these communities this representation they need it mm. and they they need it because it enhances their lives in, in so many ways that it's that important yeah and it's so i find it so depressing that to go back to finding a long-lasting happy relationship in musical theatre specifically, I'm going back to something like Lacajo Fall, where you've mm. got two older characters who've clearly been in a relationship for a very long time, and then at the end of the musical, they're still in the relationship. And actually finding musicals where that happens, where you've got this couple that are still there at the end, it, it takes a lot longer than you think. And, you know, and it opens up all sorts of other stories, like stories about 
queer people who are older than 40 and you know and these sorts of things which we i guess we see less or at least you know queer people that are over 40 that also have some sort of you know like love life or sex life or something like that you know it just is i know disgusting (laughs) (laughs) how dare they still be doing it at that age um but it's it's all and these are other stories that i think move away from some of the the things that we've been talking about there you know the, the fact that we very often focus on the coming out story or you know, or whatever it might be, or the, the the heartbreaking story, or whatever. I was just thinking about how how often it is actually that some of these stories we're talking about are written by queer people. It's not always. I mean, often it is. You know, I feel like sometimes it's lazy writing. It's just like, oh, that's what we've seen all the queer characters do. So let's just kill them off, or whatever it is. But actually, at the very beginning, certainly in musical theatre, a lot of gay men wrote musicals like Bear, um, where which were really depressing because the gay characters died at the end. And I think there was a sense of maybe we were trying to communicate how hard it is to be queer, which is still a thing, I think. But also... Very much still a thing, I think. Yeah, but also we don't need every queer character (laughs) to do that. And so it's trying to think about, I guess, thinking about some of the the kind of iconic musicals or, or television shows where... We, we have seen queer representation and gone, oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, we've mentioned some at the beginning. Um, I want you to mention Anne Juliet as well, which yes. I think was really important in that sense. And, and also thinking about how you had a, no- a relationship that was normalised in the middle of it. It wasn't about, you know, these these characters. There's, there, you know, a trans character and presumably a, a queer or pansexual character. Mm. It was just there. And I, I'm trying to think if there's any other examples where we've got those that sort of representation just on Anne Juliet, mm. I, I think as an actor, being being in a musical with such great queer representation mm. just meant a lot. Mm. Um, and I, I don't feel that a lot in the musicals no. that I do. I, I hardly feel that in, you know, big contracts mm. that I'd, I'd be on. Um, it, it, felt, it felt really nice. I did feel the lack of any queer female representation yes. in that show. Um, but it was still fantastic and it found its community or mm. its community found the musical and um, people really loved it. It meant a lot at speaking mm. to people who came to watch, who who saw themselves on stage in ways that they hadn't before. It really felt great mm. doing that every day and saying those things, um, it, which is, a, you know, finding meaning in the, the shows that we're putting on is something that I'm really trying to do lately yes. as well. So. I always think about that show as something that I loved mm. doing because of what it was saying in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And we need the, you know, we need actors like you. We need openly queer actors to have these conversations. Mm. Um, people, they they see that and they know that that's essential. They Not, they yeah. do they do see it and they you mm. they find the 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 queer audiences find the actors oh, yeah. and they flock to them. Yes. <laughs> it's a ready made audience. Yeah. We just need to give it material. Yeah, exactly. as you said, we need the people, people to get their wallets out. <laughs> but the, but queer audiences, queer consumers want it so badly. Yes. Yeah. And as soon as you have a show like that, the communities go yes, okay, here we go. I I'm actually really sad that I think Anne Juliet deserves a place in the West End. I'm really sad that yes. it's not around anymore. Yeah. We were talking about this actually on one of the other podcasts that we've done mm. um, this series as well. And it, it has left, and like we were saying earlier, it's left this massive hole in the West End because where is the queer musical now that queer audiences, that has that, that level of queer joy in it? It wasn't even about 
queer. No. Like no. The, the main message of the show was not about queerness, mm. which I think was also great. There yes. was just queerness involved. Yeah. Because there always is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I also Somewhere. Said it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's Finally. queer everywhere. Yes. So. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I loved about Anne Juliet is how intersectional it was as well and mm. how it's got really powerful black characters. Um, there was, and also those characters were played, and you know, Juliet obviously is not just a black character, it's played often by a black actor, but sometimes by an Asian actor or whatever it is. It was giving empowerment to, to all these people, but it wasn't about that. It just, that's how it was cast and so that's what it became. And then you've got the lovely relationship between the nurse and um, and Lance as well, like something for something for us older people. <laughs> it really did let a lot of people see themselves in mm. it, and I do. I like you said, where where is that now? I yeah. I miss that mm. currently in the shows that we're seeing. Yeah. Yes. So we we got to find we have to find more of these these sorts of shows and and these sorts of characters. And there's so much going on in the smaller theatres as well. I mean, you mentioned the King's Head, who've just done I think two or three different seasons of of queer, queer work. Queer theatre, yeah. yeah. Tanya Azevedo did loads of fantastic yes. work there. Yeah, and David Cumming is uh, from who's from Spitlip with Operation Mincemeat is just going in there to do another queer uh, series now. Ooh, I think. Oh, I didn't know August. that. Um, and so, you know, they there's lots there. Southwark Playhouse have done a number of uh, queer uh, musicals or musicals with queer composers in. Um, the New Diorama is very supportive. There's all sorts of theatres where it's happening, but they're all, if you don't know about them, you're not going to know that those shows are on. So at, at the moment, one of the things I'm thinking about, I'm thinking particularly about the, the sort of research that I do, is thinking how do we get people to be able to experience these shows so that they know that they exist and then the next step from that is thinking well how do we get these shows to a wider audience to a bigger platform and 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 to the west end are there are there shows or are there stories that you would really like to see told in a musical that we we don't have yet uh, do you mean stories just any pre-written i think anything story. you know pre-written stories or stories um, or something that could be queer something that could be or... yeah i mean the queering is is a that's the other thing that's really big at the moment. Again, not so much in the West End. It kind of has to be because yeah. there aren't enough no. queer stories to be able to just tell a queer story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm old thinking, ones. Yeah, I'm thinking about you know how Hope Mill did Rent and how um, the Open Air Theatre, Regent's Park Open Air, did Legally Blonde. Uh, Southwark Playhouse have done uh, Anyone Can Whistle and just finished How to Succeed in Business mm -hmm. Without Really Trying. All of those have been sort of queered in a way. So I, the show I'd love to queer to be mm. part of to just I don't know just be part of is not to sing to MD or something is the last five years oh mm. I would love I would love to, to do that but I've yeah. heard of so many people trying to do it and they're not allowed to it's, mm. it's yeah it, I think the licensing is quite strict and oh it would be so good wouldn't it mm. I would oh. be happy to, re to rearrange the show but again I don't think it would be a goer I've, I've created mm. whole like designs for that show in my head before <laughs> that's really interesting so what is it about that show particularly that you think lends itself to being queered i think you could play you could um undo some of the toxicity between mm. the kind of the binary the gender binary yes. with the don't you think there's some there's a lot of people often you know have discussions about uh jamie and how he's super flawed or how mm. you know they have very strong opinions and maybe some of that could be reframed slightly mm. in terms of the, the balance of their relationship but i but i also think super flawed complex characters in a queer relationship mm. or that too yeah yes yeah. as simple as that but also and I toxic think queer relationships 
fine. Yes. They, exist. they exist. But also, I think, um, trying to put it together in a way that the audience can understand both sides of the story and mm. how things happened. Um, yeah, they can see themselves in both, potentially, then. More. Exactly. And, uh, but I do think Jamie's character is, so, is very toxic. And, and some of the things that give the audience the ick currently, like you said, can shift um, with... A woman mm. playing that character, or the or a different actor, or a different yeah interpretation. Yeah, I just I just want more more queer women. I yes, like there's that, that's that's the base level for me, mm. and and it's 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 a little upsetting that that is mm. all I want at the yeah. minute, um in big commercial musical theatre, because mm. I I feel like that's what's I'm just taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's we don't we don't really see it. Yeah. And I think one of the things I found with Company when that was, you know, about five years ago, when that came back to the West End and they rewrote it and we had a female lead, which was great and worked really well. But what a shame that they didn't keep some of the love interests female so that Bobby became a bisexual female character. And there were so many things that you could have played with. I mean, obviously, I think for Sondheim, it was a big shift to even let anyone do that with his work. But actually... There's so much potential in some of these stories. And you go, yes, we've taken this. We've got the idea of gender swapping now. That's great. I'm glad that that's happening. But you don't need to keep gender swapping it so that everything stays straight. <laughs> you can, <laughs> exactly. you know. And we did have the gay couple in, in company as well, which, you know, which uh, Jonathan Bailey and Alex Galman played. But it was, you know, there was, there was room for lots more. And there is room for lots more in so many other stories as well. I think the default is when people are inserting some queerness into a story. It's the default gay male couple, which is fantastic. Mm. But I think there's there's a lot of other queerness yes. that gets left out. Absolutely. That That's why when I tell people about how this all started with triangularity and how it's not just the disproportionate amount of queer characters, it's particularly queer women who yes. are killed off or, you know, mm. sort of mm. um, expendable on TV shows. I think they're always fascinated but they don't know about it because they maybe don't watch those shows. And I think there's always that perception that um, maybe why people, some people from, you know, sort of straight community might stay away mm. from some of the shows that are panned as being, you know, just uh, queer representation yes. shows is potentially because they think those stories are going to be quite kind of like, um, you know, not, not as accessible, not as yes. universal, but of course they yeah. are. And I mean, if I do anything with triangularity, I really want to tell this story of a very specific nerdy TV fan mm. uh, who supports, you know, female queer representation, but absolutely, hopefully, be able to just sh- use that as an example mm. to show that that's not meant to isolate anyone from coming to watch absolutely. it and from seeing themselves in it yeah. in, in some respect. Um, but also... If you find it fascinating, then come and watch it. Yeah, you know, it's like it's it's all great to have a dinner table conversation and go. I'm writing this show. It's about bury your gaze. Oh, what's that? You know, conversation mm. ensues. Oh, that's fascinating. It's like, well, um, you know, do some research. Uh, it's it's not just a small thing. This is a huge community of people mm. who are aware of this, and people see us as small, but it's a powerful community. Yes. Um the female queer and generally queer community is extremely powerful Mm. you can see that in the way that this community single-handedly saved the show warrior nun yes after it got cancelled by netflix you Mm. can see it in the way that 
after Lexa died, the outrage was massive. Mm. They brought um, her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the whole general outrage mm. was so big, it built yeah. a, a convention called Klexicon. It, it mm. brought people together. And, and we now see ourselves as a cult, small, but extremely powerful yes. um, group of people. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly inspiring. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying it, don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast service. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Queer Musicals or you can follow me at Dr. James Lovelock. I think it's something, for the, again, for those of us that are queer men is that we have to be the first to do that and not go, here is a show about uh, queer women so I won't go and watch that because it's not about me. Actually, you know, the, the, the most valuable thing I've found from the research I've done, and I'm in a very lucky position because I can go and see lots of theatre, and I go and see things like um, Fun Home or I go and see The Colour Purple or um, some of the smaller things that I've been mentioning on these podcasts. I've mentioned Interstate, um, uh, which is a new musical about a um, a trans man and a lesbian woman uh, from the East Asian community in America who go off uh, on a road trip to kind of find who they are and they inspire other queer people as they do it. And these musicals are just brilliant and they mm. don't necessarily have to have a gay character in for me to go, this, mu- this story is brilliant. I mean, for God's sake, how many straight stories have I watched <laughs> over the years mm. and had to connect to? So I think it's really important that we kind of open our mind up to these things and we look out for these things and we find ways to make these stories more visible for people um, so that they can find them. Um, one way that's happened is on www.queermusicals.com, which is a, a website that I've set up, which has got all of these musicals listed with links to places mm. where you can watch bits and pieces from them. Oh, that little bit of self-promotion. No, lovely. no more, more. Ne- necessary. It's so important, mm. the work you're doing. It's really, it's both fascinating and, and super mm. relevant and important. And, and hopefully it's something that we can keep, building on as well i mean this is what the research i mean the research I've, I've done starts at the university of wolverhampton but actually coming out of that and moving into other places i really hope that we can get this get queer representation and and safety for queer people and all of those things i hope that's something that we can carry on pushing and discussing and finding forums to uh, to actually put the work out there and i have to say like i said you know places like the, the king's head the other palace um the southwark playhouse are doing a great job with that and so it's our job now, so I guess, to, to try and support as much of that as we can. I don't know if either of you have read The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. No, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. It's a beautiful story about... It, it, it's, a, it's a queer love story, but mm. the story is about, you know, Achilles in Greek mythology. Um, and what I've heard people say about it who are not necessarily queer is that just how good of a love story it is. Mm. And that's what they love about it, um, and I think that's the that's the marketing point. It's an amazing love story, yes. as opposed to the fact that it's a queer story, which is also great. But I think if we push it too hard, mm. it does sometimes make people go, Ooh, "Not for me, then." And it's also a thing. I think when people ask me the question, "Why is it that queer writers can write straight characters?" and it's because we have watched 
so much material <laughs> which has got straight characters in and we are surrounded by straight people being very straight in public and all of these things and so that's the thing if you want to particularly if you're a straight writer and you want to be able to write believable characters you've got to go out and talk to people and watch material and all of that sort of stuff but also like you say just on a, a standard level you know if you want to understand people then going to see these stories that's one of the reasons we tell stories you know it's a I think that's really important and i envy people who do potentially have uh scores of people around them who intimately understand them mm. on a daily basis but for most of us we have many many people in our lives who we still feel like there is some sort of barrier between their understanding yeah. of our lives and actually how we think and operate and what mm. our what our priorities are and you know what it's like like to be a queer woman who has these interests or whatever specific yes. specific yeah. uh, um, I don't know our challenges and we all have we all have that barrier so if uh, we can break down those barriers mm. it means that future generations of people will will have communication better communication between them and their peers and their families mm. and and their friends and they, it just closes the gap we need yeah. to both open ourselves up up to other people's experiences and in that sense we break down those walls mm, that separate us i think and i think just talking about different kinds of stories and different communities of people it's it's not only queer women that i see a lack of it's it's non-binary people as well and the gender diversity um it's i, I mean uh, the accepted notion of non-binary identity in the mainstream is equated with androgyny and that's just so not that's so not what it is it's mm. just anything outside the very clear like boxes of male and female anything outside of that yeah. is technically non-binary yes. but it's it's the the fact that we don't have enough representation of that of the that that range and that spectrum that that view is still around so it's those stories and those people and their um coming out or, mm. or or coming of age coming into their identity that we also don't see yes i absolutely. mean most people don't understand the difference between gender identity and gender expression still yep. i mean that's there are so many stereotypes of gender expression and we we still continue to judge people uh, by looking at mm. them and uh, you know kind of giving them a, an identity before we know it uh, but i'm i'm so happy that in in the queer community we are as matter of course we're saying um what are your pronouns when we meet someone we're saying um we're calling somebody they up to the point where they self-identify mm. to us and that fills me with so much joy and hope and that's been a very recent thing yeah i really love that and actually that's something when I'm talking to people who have specifically been involved in shows like Legally Blonde and Juliet and they're saying that that's the big difference is when you're working in a community where you have got either a majority of queer people or that it's uh, a community that is queer led, it makes such a big difference because suddenly you're in this space where what should be the norm is the norm. And it's like we said earlier, it's not something we should really feel, we feel like we should have to ask for this or that this should you know it should be a remarkable thing that this is happening um it takes repetition though yes and it, it takes for us to send that message out to other groups that are not aware of that mm. and that constant repetition needs to be echoed in in art yes and in media yeah otherwise 
that's not gonna it's not gonna spread far enough. I mean, what we're talking about here is 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 theatre, is art, yeah. is media. Is these are the tools that we use mm. to make change in society. That's why the arts, in this sense of about you know kind of queerness, is is absolutely at the forefront yes. of change. Mm. I read such an interesting experiment a while ago, and this is going to be partly useless because i can't remember where i read it <laughs> That's okay. uh, but i suddenly i suddenly remembered this experiment on attraction and um kind of showing people different um different images of other people mm. and asking them to to indicate which they were more attracted mm. to um some like slight changes in features slight um and you could you can very clearly plot the the features or the the standards of what is considered attractive based on what people see in the media. Mm. And so what you're exposed to influences what you're comfortable with and what you are attracted to. So <laughs> so the less you see, the less people know what what kind of people they can like or, mm. or feel attracted to. And that is directly linked and can be can be influenced by it so the lack of it also means that people aren't as comfortable with how people look so seeing more of it means they will be more accepting mm. and more comfortable just just and that that study was is fascinating and i really can't remember what it was <laughs> but i'm gonna try and figure it out yeah. and maybe i'll send it to you but how how that makes me so emotional that idea that people can't even reveal their own authenticity until mm. they've uh, experienced something uh, that opens their mind to it. I mean, that that makes... I that I always just remember that anytime I'm writing anything with queer stories, of, of the level of importance we're talking mm. about of how revelatory uh, this is, this can be to yeah. people. So um, what we're doing is the simple thing of just putting words on paper, but the effect is... Um, something else entirely. life-changing life-changing yeah, yeah absolutely um i think we're probably coming towards the end now but i was going to ask you one more question i was going to ask you about maybe if there's something you could recommend to people who are listening to listen to or watch or um or whatever it might be um something that they can you know I mean, obviously, triangularity is the number one thing, and I'll be putting Absolutely. some links to that. But are there other things that you think, actually, this would be a really great thing to read if you if you want to know more? Uh, I would say reading. I would say maybe go and read um, some of the work, both poetry and other, mm. um, by the uh, non-binary poet Kay Tempest, mm. yeah. um, who's, who's written uh, so much about connection, you know, during the pandemic and all sorts yeah. of things and just about um uh, mythology and the kind of queerness and mm. gender fluidity in mythology yeah i find what that kind of mythology greek mythology mainly i think and tv i recommend going back and watching shows that have been cancelled that mm. have queer content um because they were just not performing well enough for the ridiculous uh, sort of ratings that were needed. Mm. But actually, even that, when you look into it, is just all rubbish. Yes. Um, so, yeah, um, Warrior Nun's coming back. Um, and uh, I love a show called Motherland Fort Salem. Mm -hmm. um, I recently recorded a song with one of the actors from the show. Uh, yes. Well, that's cool. 
uh, which was a song about her character on the show. So it was a slightly unusual situation where the actor agreed to sing a song that me, a fan, had written about the character. Oh, it was a wonderful experience and it shows the kind of connectivity of how the actors are very much invested mm. in the stories and yes. therefore they know how the impact of their work and uh, so agreeing to do that kind of project yeah. just shows how much um, it means to not just the fans in the community, queer community, but also to the people involved in making mm. these shows that just get cancelled um, yes. out of the blue. And mm. yeah, mm. I I watched I think at the beginning of this year a League of Their Own. Okay, oh, which brilliant show. Yeah. Prime, I think, which was fantastic. The level of representation. Um, why, why do people assume that women's sports teams have no queer people on them? Um, it, it's mm. that's that's wild to me. Yes. And so the fact that this show was revelatory in showing a a women's baseball team in the forties in their queerness as mm. well, and also at a time where queerness was really being prosecuted, really dangerous to be a queer person. Um, those those time specifics like like during the world war in the 40s like any mm. shows set there I, I just find it fascinating learning about different times different time periods and decades and how yeah. um the society responded to queerness sometimes it was just don't ask don't tell sometimes they were actively being searched for and mm. and like publicly exposed um that show also has a lot of intersectional queerness yes, yes. it's it's very progressive in that sense and that show is almost it's pretty much all but cancelled it's been uh, they i think they agreed to bring it back mm -hmm. but got for a, a very four episode yeah, very yeah. Yeah. Short two. season so Which, that's essentially yes. on, on yeah. the list of pretty much uh, cancelled shows along yeah. with shows like willow um the wilds first kill and I mean that's that's the thing, isn't it? We've got to, you know, it's important for us to support these things to try and stop them being cancelled in the first place, but also to find ways that we can support queer work, whether or not it is profitable, whether or not it has yes. as many clicks or likes or views as, you know, these numbers that have been made up by, you know, studio executives. But, but hopefully the work that, that you're doing in, you know, and in, in triangularity and all of the work that you've been doing, Rashani, I know you've got other projects. Rashani's uh, a queer up. icon. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you. it. I'll take it. <laughs> As are you, Flora. <laughs> Too kind. <laughs> um, but thank you both so much for, for talking. Thanks for having us. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode. In our next episode, we'll be talking to David Cumming and Zoe Roberts from Spitlip. The show we've written won't work as a film unless the Muppets audition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're listening, know, Jim Henson. Yeah. Give us a call. This episode will come out on Friday, the 22nd of September. See you there. <laughs>